Hey world, Dr. Scott Sigmund here. Today's episode of the Ortho Show podcast is going to be sponsored by OrthoLaser Orthopedic Laser Centers. I am absolutely convinced that the effects of this pandemic are going to linger for months, if not years. The way in which we deliver medical care is going to be changed forever. We have no idea when the operating rooms are open. There's going to be a long line for elective surgery. And when they do reopen, we're not even sure if we're going to be at full capacity. Basically, there's going to be a huge backlog of elective joint replacement for the elderly. There's also going to be many young patients that are going to say, you know, I just can't do surgery right now, doc. I need to get back into the workforce. I need to earn some money. I need to provide for my family. So basically, we're going to have to be forced as, as docs to find alternative treatment options for our patients for acute and chronic pain. OrthoLaser, orthopedic laser centers powered by MLS M8 laser technology is going to be that solution. Uh, the FDA cleared MLS M8 laser treatments are painless and only take about 10 minutes. So here's the deal, everybody. Our ortho laser centers are currently open in Boston, Newburgh, New York, Lexington, Kentucky, Pensacola, Florida, and soon to be opening in Atlanta, Hartford, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. These franchise opportunities are available at this time all across the country. So whether you're an interested patient or a doctor who wants to know more, please visit www.ortholaserwithaz.com. Again, www.ortholaserwithaz.com to learn more. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Okay, hello world. It is your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Scott Sigmund, coming at you again from my master bedroom closet studio, hosting another episode of the Ortho Show podcast. I am really excited today to have a special guest, Joe Mullings. You know, I like to to say to all my kids, you know, I'm kind of a big deal, but this guy really is a big deal. Chairman and CEO of the Mullings Group, President CEO of Dragonfly, Chief Vision Officer, MRI Network. Dude, you're busier than I am. That's hard to believe. <laughs> but you do have the best titles of all time. Come on. <laughs> Hashtag follow the fro. Uh, all right. So where do we start? So first, I got I got to tell you, I mean, I love the fact we, we have some sort of mutual history. You were you know, a rock star executive uh, search firm uh, CEO forever for like for decades. And you're, you're amazing at it. And my mother, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use the words or not, but she was a, a headhunter back in the days. That's what they called it back in the 80s. And her specialty was was computers and specifically computer programmers. My mother did not know how to turn on a computer. She, I would sit there at dinner time. She would call everybody like five o'clock at night during dinner time, and then she would she'd get on the phone like the DBS DIOS. She would like read these initials off, and she was good, man. And <laughs> she just literally they they just all kept changing jobs for her. She went from a Pinto to a Cadillac in six months. Nice. What color was the Pinto? Because I had a Pinto in college. Lime green. We were the only uh-huh. kids that arrived to football practice with our helmets on because we were so, so worried about driving that car with her. <laughs> Mine was blue, and we used to drive from Dayton, Ohio to Long Island for summer breaks. I mean, uh, uh, Christmas break, 
there were five of us in the car, which means one person was in the hatchback with the luggage. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond memories of 1982 and 83 in the back of a Pinto. Yeah, so for the, for the, our younger viewers or listeners out there, the Pintos used to blow up because the gas tank was in the back. So it wasn't exactly the safest car. So, you know, the normal premise of our show is what we're you know, you can't turn the TV on anymore right now. I mean, I can't watch the news. It's so depressing. There's misinformation. We never know what's coming. So we want to be able to bring in experts to be able to to guide people through this pandemic and how we're going to get to the other side. I really was excited to have you on the program because you're sort of a guru when it comes to this branding, marketing, but not just that, but sort of understanding a path. So I really want you to try and, and provide our, our listeners an advice or path as to how we're going to recover and move outside of this pandemic. In particular, I really liked your your last blog, the three R's. Do you mind rolling us through that? Give us a sense of how people can develop a purpose and sense of how we're going to get out of here. Yeah. So look, the, the toughest part right now is there's no horizon. And, and so nobody knows how to back this up yet. And, 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 and people in general, when they, when they don't have a finish to the story, they put their own in and 99% of the time it's, it's, it's fatalistic. Rarely do people put a happy ending on a story. So you, you, you've got to get yourself out of that mode. First of all, uh, look, it, we're in the probably, I would say the worst, I was born in 1962. So by far the worst that I've ever seen and will ever see, uh, uh hopefully the last one of, of employment, lack of employment, underemployment or delayed of employment. Uh, but the flip side of that is this, Never before have you had permission to get out of a job that you hate right now. And so that's really my message to people, you know, because I could tell you, and, and I will, we'll, we'll take a couple minutes and tell you how you onboard, how you create value in the marketplace, how you get re-engaged. But the, the, the audience I want to talk to for a couple minutes here is either you were in high school and you listened to a guidance counselor who had no idea what they were doing because otherwise they wouldn't have been a guidance counselor. Right. And so they gave you advice on what to do and apologies in advance for all the people who are guidance counselors out there. But nobody went to high school to become a guidance counselor. And then you went to college on a major that you thought was cool or your parents wanted you to do and you didn't want to pursue it, but you took the pressure. Then you got a job based on the rest of your life because you spent four years at college and you dislike your career right now. And in the past, when you had to back out of that, you would get a sideways look across the table with your resume saying, you know, Bob, you've been an accountant now for seven years. Why do you want to be a videographer? And, and, and Bob never had a reasonable explanation to that. But right now, you just have to push back from the table and go, COVID, dude. And I loved videography. And I've been doing it as a hobby on weekends. And I've shot weddings. Oh, and by the way, during that four-month break, this is what I did to up my skills on videography. So would you please hire me? And I'm so committed to this. And you see where the story's going? So you've never got more permission to be able to stage left exit out of something that for the next 50 years, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, that's that's great hope. What a great message. I mean, you know, I see it sometimes and you, know, you go to the food store and you get in line and, and if you get too close to somebody, I was there at the, in line the other day and she literally walked out. She was like, I can't take it. I can't take it. And then yet other people are putting together foundations and we're moving PPE around and we're developing these new ideas and they're running towards the fire to create solutions. And so just talk to me a little bit about how, how we get, get people to sort of calm down and look uh, for, for the future, a positive future. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's what you listen to. You mentioned it when we first kicked this thing off is 
news has value to it um, for information, but you can't let it write your narrative uh, because uh, a majority of media is is meant to cause frenzy and fear because all you ever need to do is follow the money. The longer they can keep the eyeballs on the screen, the more money they make. So therefore, there's there's a line they walk over. In the beginning, it was cool they were informing us. But now I think there's over-information. And I think that if you look at that, there's a di- difference between focusing on the outcome and fixating on the outcome. And focus versus fixation are two amazing words to explore. And then you've got, you know, tactical questioning versus neurosis. So now when you start to cross those together, the questions you ask yourself directly are, are, are driving the quality of your life. So if you're asking yourself disempowering questions, you're going to get really terrible answers. And so, you know, we're coming back to the career thing on this and the hope thing on this is how come you're not asking your questions like, um, what can I be working on over the next 90 days that will increase my value in the marketplace to a future employer? What can I be doing as a self-learning opportunity over the next 60 days to make me a better partner to my SIG other? What can I be doing to lose the 12 pounds or put on the 12 pounds either way that my body needs right now? And ask yourself questions like that rather than saying, how am I going to pay my mortgage when this doesn't end till September? And then get yourself wrapped around the axle, right, on fear, false expectations appearing real, on fear that is not going to have you operating from a position of strength. All right. So you, so I was reading the blog. Okay. So walk me through this. You got the threat, then you got the response, then you can recover, and then there's resurrection. So talk us through this. So again, we want to we give a way for our listeners to feel positive as we emerge out of this pandemic. Right. So a threat. Look, anytime the body comes to a threat, and I'm going to reference work by my dear friend and one of my coaches, Tony Blauer, uh, our body it reflexively flinches. By design, we flinch, no matter what happens. You can look at all kinds of footage over the years, baseball bats coming down the first baseline that break, right? Things thrown at you. You're reaching up on the top part of your closet to pick up a hat box, and all of a sudden something falls back. Your hands go out and push away the threat, right? That's what we do reflexively. Now, some people will cover, turn, and go fetal, and that's probably the worst thing to do. Or you can go ahead and flinch towards the threat, which makes you human. But then what you want to do is you want to recover quickly and you want to recover tactically, right? And, and that, that, that time between you flinching and then you becoming tactical with your reaction typically will define life and death in some situations, right? Or success and lack of success in life. So we go into this COVID thing. You lose your job. All of a sudden, you flinch. What do you do? Your stomach goes bad. you got a cortisol dump. All of a sudden, your body starts to, right? That is a normal. It's totally normal. You cry. You have the fear because that is a normal ref- reflex in your body. Now, what do you need? You need to get tactical. But you ask yourself questions that allows you to get tactical, not, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to be without a house or, holy shit, this sucks now. Let me step back for a second. Let me focus, not fixate, not on what occurred to me, but where can I go from here with the tools I have in my tool belt? Now, you might have great tools in your tool belt. You might be that videographer who's been looking for this reason. Maybe you have lousy tools. 
you've got 90 days to work on your tools. So you're now going to be able to access that tool belt for your response with a tactical response that's going to allow you to recover. And that gets you into your R, your resurrection. Put things in perspective. I had a young lady on the phone yesterday. She just graduated from Duke two years ago. She's made a couple, you know, less than desirable decisions in her life. She then, you know, I've got her in a final interview right now, and she almost lost on this because she said to me, well, what are you doing about your job? You know, you build these companies and you build these careers. And with this whole COVID thing, isn't that going to be a problem for you? I said, no, it's just the opposite. It's a tremendous opportunity. We're going to create a brand new category of talent access that has not been there before as a category within the med tech industry, we're going to create an interim business to take advantage of all these people who are going to be 50 years and above getting furloughed. And let's be real, ageism is going to come in and screw those people, but they're high value individuals and somebody's going to need to bring them to the marketplace, right? Then we're going to, instead of look for full-time employees, we're going to start interim where we're bringing high value people that fall on the balance sheet differently on these organizations. And the accountants are going to love it as well as the leaders of the engineering team. And I said to her, I says, that's really bad. You're 21 years old and you're going to go ahead and lay down because the next six months are going to suck. And you've got 70 more years to live. Which one of those doors do you want to walk through? Terrific messaging. So talk to me about when we're getting out of this thing, Joe, what do you, what do you see? I mean, is it weeks? Is it months? Are we going to do it partially? Is it going to go full? What, what's our What's our progress look like? Yeah, so you know you, you've got a you've got a couple horizons here. You know, um, I'm hoping I'm hoping leadership in this country, and that doesn't mean government. Um, I, I think that means corporate leadership. I think it means uh, spiritual leadership. I think it means local leadership looks and doesn't handle this in in one monolithic approach to re-engagement to some whatever normalcy is, but let's call it normalcy as a reference point of what it was before uh, late Feb, early March. And so look, the New York cities of the world and and, and Seattle's and and those need to have TLC and probably have a longer on-ramp. But these smaller cities around the, the country, they need to have a more realistic approach. And so we've got to trace, we've got to test, we've got to look for antibodies, we've got to look for positive or negative testing, and then start re-engaging with masks on, still keeping the six-foot distancing, no bro hugs, right? And, and, and let's get back to some sort of on-ramping to the economy. Here's what concerns me, though. And as a doctor, you're going to really align with this. The PTSD that's going to be resident in the healthcare community for another two, three, four, maybe generation, that PTSD of the human beings and then the economic crush of what these hospitals have had to sacrifice in order to be the saviors of on the financial side. Hospitals make their money, what? Philanthropy. They make their money on, 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 on uh, 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 surgeries that are elective, right? All of those things have gone out the door. They have thrown everything down, all chips into saving lives. So who's going to be looking for them on the other side of this and making sure that comes back in? And again, I don't think it's a stimulus. We can't look at a stimulus. We've got to look at a recovery. So I think we probably get back to some sort of engagement in the mm, July, August timeframe. That's what I personally think. 
I think then we are sitting in a, we're coming out from the shadows for the balance of 2020. There will be some industries like healthcare, biotech, diagnostics um, that are going to come out stronger than ever. One is government money. They're going to stop putting money into bombs and missiles and aircraft carriers and things that we really don't have a use for as much anymore and realize that we can be crushed by a small little viral fiend that we can't see. And so, you know, I I think what you're going to see is hospitality, events, travel, uh, 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 mass transit. Those are going to need a year to three years coming back on board. I know I'm not going to be on a plane. I did 250,000 miles in 2019. I don't want to be on a plane for at least the first couple months. I don't know if there's a ticking time bomb on there. Does that make me neurotic? Mm, I don't know, but I know I have other options that I'm not going to have to get on the plane. Yeah, I think uh, travel is going to be very, very different for us in the future. I, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone doing these webinars uh, from my closet routinely, and I'm on the, uh, talking to orthopedic surgeons from around the country. And, and really what we're seeing around the country is very different. You know, New York City and Detroit and New Orleans, they're completely shut down. And it's really the disease process is, is really so terrible. That part, you know, you watch on the news and it, it's real. But, you know, the thing that they're not reporting on is that there are many places around our country where there's absolutely no virus. And so I was on the phone with a friend of mine from Vegas who's a busy orthopedic surgeon from Tennessee, from a couple of counties in Texas. They have no patients with COVID in their hospitals. They have ASCs that are sitting open at this point. Uh, And the question is going to be, is this going to come out partially? You know, how is this going to roll out? I can tell you my sense in talking to these guys is we got about two to three weeks and if something doesn't roll out, they're going to start making decisions on their own. What are yeah, your thoughts? And that's where I said, you know, the local leaders are going to decide on a local basis. Uh, again, I, this, this, I, I don't get political. Um, I do have to give two sides of the argument to leadership right now in Washington. They are trying to keep it as local as possible, and they're finding fault with leadership that way. And again, um, there's a lot of good things happening up there and a lot of less desirable things happening up there. But I like the fact that we are trying to keep these decisions as local as possible because the scenario should dictate what's going on. Now, I know there's going to be those that argue like, well, what happens when that New Yorker jumps on his private jet and comes down to Palm Beach? I get it. But you cannot paralyze the economy because you're going to have more misery the longer we sit frozen and 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 again frozen and fetal on the thousand yard stair with this scenario, if you monolithically take it across the country, the, 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 the amount of damage that's going to be done generationally would have, would have outweighed herd immunity if we took that approach. Yeah. People are just about, they're, they're getting antsy at this point. You know, I do my, my uh, happy hour, my virtual happy hours on Zoom with my brothers of a different mother from various aspects of my life. That's actually one of the silver linings is that I am really connecting with my friends much more so than I was doing before this. Uh, and uh, they're just getting they're getting tired, especially the ones that are in the cities where they're really hard hit uh, about not being able to to function and do the things that that they do as healers. Um, so we're hoping that there's going to be a transition. I mean, I think that. 
I, I believe that we're going to have to get an antibody test going on and we're going to have to allow people that, that have the positive antibodies either to help our patients by healing them, if in particular the, uh, the plasma will, will help them, and then also uh, allow them to restart the economy. So, you know, you brought that up earlier, so we're hoping for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you asked me something earlier about careers. I, I wanted to get back on that because that's near and dear to my heart. Here's, listen, if you were popped, if you were downsized, furloughed, let go, whatever it was, um, over the next 60 days, here's what you need to do. You need to go to your full-time job every single day, not your kitchen table, not the couch with the laptop um, sitting in your lap while you're watching, you know, heckle and jekyll on TV. You need to get your laptop, get your Excel spreadsheet open, identify 50 companies that you have been meaning to get engaged with for career moves. And then within those 50 companies, you need to identify every director and above in every functional role. You need to follow those 50 companies. You need to follow those directors and above in all of their roles. And you can do that on LinkedIn. And now what you'll see is you'll see when they start their company posts or they post. What you need to do is in this sort of cadence, if we take 10 and they post out of all those people, there's 10 posts. On 10 of them, you have to like. On three of them, you have to share. On two of them, you have to comment. And now what you're going to do, and you're going to comment intelligently. The second part of this is, you are going to pick up 10 headlines every day in the marketplace that those 50 companies are in. You're going to read those headlines. You're going to internalize those headlines. And those are then going to give you content in order to intelligently comment on those people's comments or postings that they put online. This is what happens. When somebody likes, unless you've got you know 50,000 followers, and I still go to see every single like that's on mine with all the followers I have. And if it's somebody new, I'm like, huh, who is that? And I go ahead and I pull the string on them. And I'm like, huh, I wonder why they, now suddenly they're in my ecosystem. And then I do that for 30, 60, 90 days. I have now moved from, you've never heard of me before, to I am inside your circle more than anybody else and I'm adding value there. Now, when the fog lifts and the, and, and the horizon is established and opportunities come up in that company, you have now laid down 90 days of a relationship, arguably with, with maybe a couple hundred people that if not but for you never had engaged with. And if you're looking for your next career move, you absolutely have to be a ding dong if you can't engage and get a le- at least 10 to 15 telephone and or Zoom interviews over that time. That is as tactical and as guaranteed as I could give you as the headhunter in the world in med tech that will work for you 100% if you execute on it. Are you writing this shit down, people? That is like word to the gospel. That's why we had this man on today. We want a path out of this out of this pandemic. You know, it's funny. There's uh, we have a lot of medical device and pharma followers. We have a lot of orthopedic surgeons, and they've everybody's got great ideas. But there's no venue for communication right now. All the major society meetings have been shut down. The reps can't meet with the doctors in the office. They can't go to the operating room. And so, you know, I'm blessed because I've had these these uh, relationships. And so I'm actually busier now almost than I was when I was you know working as an orthopedic surgeon. But 
the the point is there has to be a way for us to message to each other and i think you just nailed it there you know linkedin these social media platforms it, it's podcasts it's webinars it's these connections that's where you're going to be able to message to the people your end user so that was really you know really beautifully put all right man look i can't thank you enough joe this was perfect it's exactly what we're looking for positive energy uh, and solutions as we emerge out of this pandemic that's the message of the ortho show i want to thank our sponsor ortho laser orthopedic laser centers uh, this is dr scott sigmund follow the fro host of the ortho show till next time